With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Baba Kama, Dafi Gimel, page 13. We begin on the fourth line. Gufa. We said previously, We stated in the verse that there is an obligation for the person who is watching something. If he went and he stuck out his hand and he used it, and so it refers to it as He benefited from something which belongs to God. So why does the Torah refer to it if it's something that does not belong to God? Meaning it belongs to the person that he's supposed to be watching it for. So why does it say it that way? It's in order to include Kachim Kalim, a light level of Kedusha, something that a person dedicated that he's planning to give that thing over to the Beis HaMikdash, to the Temple. Shehei Mamonah, that they're considered the, the value of the person he's watching it for. It still belongs to the Bailam. These are the words of Rabbi Yisakhlili. Ben Azay Omer, Ben Azay says, the Rabbi Shlomim. This is actually coming to include only the case of Shlomim. Shlomim is also a case of Kachim Kalim, but it's limiting it. We're going to see in the Gemara later on why and how it's limiting it. Uh, Abba Yesi, the son of Dustai, said that Ben Azay, when he said the limiting, so he said it only in regards to the Bechor alone. Again, we're going to see what that means as well. Amar Mar. Mar stated, Ben Azay Amar Larabo Yisai Sashlamim. So Ben Azay said that when we say in the verse Mola Bal Bashem, it's coming to include that the case of Shlamim is also considered the, that it belongs to the Bailim, and therefore there's going to be an obligation on the person who caused the damage to pay. What's this coming to exclude? Meaning, what is it coming to say? It's only Shlamim, but not something else. If it's coming to exclude the case of a Bechor, an animal, which was the firstborn that's supposed to be brought as a sacrifice, Hashta. So now, if in regards to a Shlamim, which requires that you have to lean your hands on it, and requires libations on the on the altar, and requires that the thigh and the certain parts of the body of the animal need to be picked up and put down. And that, even though it's so holy, it has all these different things that are done to it, nevertheless we consider that it belongs to the people who are going to bring it. So Bechor, and Rashi says here we're talking about a Bechor, an animal where it's either outside of Israel or it's in a time when the temple doesn't exist, and therefore it can't be brought. So such a Bechor, the firstborn animal, certainly that's obvious that uh, that it's going to be considered and it belongs to the people who own it. In a certain sense, it has kedusha, true, but it has uh, an aspect of mamon bailim. El Amr Biechanan, Sir Biechanan says, rather when we say shlamim, we're saying it's coming to exclude lemeute meiser. It's coming to exclude a case of meiser behema, where a person counts off ten of his animals, and the tenth animal, so he brings his special korban shlamim to God. So that animal, so it has a higher level of kedusha, and it's not considered mamon bailim at all. It's not considered that it's owned by the original people at all. So Sir Biechanan says that that uh, Ben Aze is coming to say that only a shlamim. It's considered a mamabailim, but not a case of miser. Kidatanya, like we learned in Abraza, but Bechor, in regards to Bechor, Ne'emar, the verse is, Loi sifte, that you're not allowed to redeem it. Vinim kartam, chai, ubamum, chai veshachut. And if it has not got any kind of blemish on it, so you're allowed to sell it as long as it's still alive. And if it got some kind of blemish, so you're allowed to sell it alive or slaughtered. But Meiser, Ne'emar, but in regards to Meiser, Behema, in regards to the tithe of the animals that has to be brought as a sacrifice, it says, Lo yigail, it shall not be redeemed. Ve'ena nimkar lechai ve'leishachut. And we see that it's not going to be able to be sold whether it's alive or whether it's slaughtered, whether it's whole or whether it has gotten some kind of blemish. So what do we see? We see that the animal, which is a bachor, so that is considered mamun bailim, it can be sold, whereas maiser behema cannot be sold. Therefore, we see clearly that it's not considered mamun bailim, it does not belong to the people who have tithed it off. So now Ravina says a, di- a slightly different version. We were just saying that all in the statement of the middle statement, which was Ben Azai. Ravina Masnila Asaf. Ravina, however, had it going on the last Shita. Abba Yosi Ben Dustoi Omer. Abba Yosi, the son of Dustoi, said, "Lemer Ben Azai Ben Azai only said his halacha 
that it's going to be considered mum and bailam in regards to Bachor alone, the firstborn animal alone. Mutema, what's it coming to exclude? If it's coming to exclude the concept of Shlamim, to say that that is considered mum and bailam, hashta, now, if in regards to a Bachor, the firstborn animal, which is holy from the time that's inside of the mother's womb, that we consider it the actual value of the person whose animal it is, Shlamim, so certainly an animal, which is a Shlamim, where a person, it, it belonged to the person until he decided that he's going to bring it as a Shlamim, Certainly, that case is going to be considered that it's mamun bailim. says that when we say it's only a bechor, that only bechor is considered mamun bailim, that that's coming to exclude a case of meiser kedutani, like we said in the brisa. But bechor nemar, in regards to bechor, it says loisifta that you're not allowed to redeem it. Vinim kartam, and you're going to sell it. Chai when it's alive, ubalmum chai, or when it gets a blemish when it's alive is shachut, and also if it's slaughtered. But meiser nemar, however, in regards to the meiser, like we said before. Uh, Namar the verse says, it can't be redeemed. It can't be sold neither when it's alive nor when it's slaughtered. And not when it's, uh, whole or not when it got any kind of blemish. So therefore, we, when we say that the Bechor Bilvad, when we said in the Mishnah, that, uh, the Brisa, that there's only one case, which is Bechor, that's considered Mamma Bailim, that it belongs to the owners, that's only in that case. But by a case of Miser, that's what the case is coming to exclude and say that that is considered, that it's not Mamma Bailim, it belongs solely to the temple. So Gemara asks, Wait, bilvad The Bryce has said that uh, only the case, according to the third shita, only the case of Bechor is the one that's going to be considered that it belongs to the Bible. But according to what we're saying, so Shlamim is also going to be considered that it belongs to the owners in a certain sense, even though they have said that they're going to bring it to the base of English. So, but that doesn't sound away from the words. The words say Bechor bilvad. Only the case of Bechor is it considered that it belongs to the owners. So, what's going to be the understanding of that? Kash the Gemara says that's a problem. Rava Omar, Rava comes back and explains the Mishnah. We had originally said that what does it mean in the Mishnah when it says only cases, the only time that there's an obligation for you to pay is only uh, property that does not have any kind of ilah, any kind of problem of benefiting from it because it's holy. So we said originally that's coming to exclude a case of a lower level of Kedusha, meaning if it has a lower level of Kedusha, it's still considered, it's still considered that it belongs to the owners and therefore there would be a problem and there would be an obligation to pay if that was damaged. So Rav says a different shot, a different understanding. So he says like this: What does it mean when it says these properties that do not have any kind of problem of getting benefit from them? Any kind of property that, in some circumstances, will have that that do not have an obligation of meila. So according to Rav, it's only a case where it completely belongs to the person, and if it belongs at all, even a little bit, let's say we're talking about a shomim kachim kalim, a lower level of holiness, where a person decided going to bring this to the temple. And so it still has, in a certain sense, that it is his. However, according to Rava, that's not going to be enough for there to be an obligation if someone caused that thing damage. Only if it's completely, completely belonging to the per- regular person, not if it in any way belongs to the base of to the temple. So the Gemara says, Vilis need the Hediot. Why doesn't it say explicitly that's what it's talking about? From the way that we said it, from the way that the Mishnah said it, it implies that it's not talking about only Hediot. It sounds, it sounds like that if if it was damaged, if a, if a Hedyot's thing was damaged, a regular person's thing was damaged, or even if it had Kachim Kalam, it was a lower level of Kedusha. So that would still be an obligation. Why does it say it in such a way? If it really meant only Hedyot, that there's an obligation, it should have said it explicitly. My answer is Kasha. That's indeed a good question. 
Rabbi Abba asks as follows, Shlomim Sheheziku, Goivim Ibsarim. If let's say you have a carbon Shlomim, an animal that was designated to be brought as a sacrifice to Shlomim, and it caused damage, so then we say, Goivim Ibsarim, that you're allowed to collect from the flesh itself, but not from the sinews, because the parts of the animal that are going to be brought on the altar, so they belong to God, and therefore that, that cannot be taken away. Only the parts of the animal that still belong to the Bible, to the owners, those are the parts that can actually be taken away when when one is paid if he got if he got damaged by this animal. The more says Pshita, that's obvious. Imurin Likavoyasalki. Uh the sinews, all these different parts that go up to the Bimizbeach, so they have to go to Hashem. So of course you can't collect from them. Sigmar answers Loitzricha, no, we need it. Legoiva mi bisarn keneget imurim. What we're saying is that you don't even go and collect from the flesh itself corresponding to the damage that was done by the sinews. What does that mean? So Rashi explains that we're talking about here is a case you have an animal. Let's say you have an animal that's worth 200 uh, shekels, $200, and it damages another animal that's worth $200. So now, what you do is, first of all, since it's the first time that's causing damage, so you only have to pay chatzin nezek, you only have to pay half of the damages. Now, there are two parts to this half of the animal that you can now collect from. Part of the animal that you can collect from is the is uh, is the half, which is the flesh, which belongs to the person himself. And part of it is going to be the, the sinews that belong to the mizbech that are going to be brought on the altar. That being the case, so you can only collect from half of the animal for part that part which is flesh. But what about the flesh from the other part of the animal? Perhaps you would think that you could say that you could go and collect corresponding to the part that you lose out, right? Because you're not going to end up with $100, right? Half the nezgah is $100, but you can only collect from half of the animal. So that being the case, so... What about the part which is the sinews of the animal? That part you can't take from. So the person who got damaged is going to end up with less. And, and it makes sense that it should end up with less because part of what caused the damage was the base Hamikdash, was the temple's thing. The temple's thing is not going to have to pay. So, but you still might think that you can take corresponding to that which you're going to lose from the temple. Maybe you can take from the other half of the animal from the flesh of the other half. That's what we're coming to say. No, you can't take part of the flesh corresponding to the parts that are not going to be paid for by the base Hamikdash, by the temple's parts. The Gemara says, Aliba Daman. According to whom are you speaking? If it's going according to the Rabbi's Pshita, then it's obvious that the parts that were supposed to be paid by the temple but are not, so they can't be replaced by the parts of the animal that are supposed to be paid or not supposed to be paid by the person who owns the animal, by the flesh. Ha'amri, because they said, that if you can't pay from this one, you don't pay from that one either. Rashi explains the case over there is talking about, this is later on in the Gemara. The case is talking about, I think, on the Nun Gimel. The case over there is speaking about where you have an animal. You have a, a shore, you have an ox that went and it caused damage to another ox. But how did it do it? Pushed the ox, the second ox, into a bore, into a pit. So now what happens? The second ox that got pushed into the pit, it falls into the pit and it dies. So now you have two partners in this crime. You've got the original ox that, caught, that pushed the second ox, and you have the pit that caused the final damage. So now who has an obligation to pay? So what we say is like this, that... Since the second animal was pushed by the first animal, the first animal was the one that had the full obligation. The balhabor, the person who owns the pit, can always say, "Listen to the to the person who whose animal it is. I'm sorry, buddy, but your animal was the one that pushed that animal into my pit. It's not my obligation. It's not my problem." So now, what happens? So the according to the rabbis, according to the rabbanon, so the the person who owns the ox, so it's his obligation to pay, but he doesn't have to pay fully because it wasn't completely his fault. He'll say it was also the pit's fault that this animal wouldn't have been killed if not for the fact that there was a pit there. So what does he pay? He doesn't pay chatzin Normally, when an animal 
uh, causes damage for the first time. So it only has to pay half the damages. So here it pays a quarter of the damages according to the rabbis. And if it had already been a muad, if it had already done it three times, then it only ends up paying half of what it had, would have normally paid. It would have normally paid full damages. But since it had a partner in crime, so it only pays half of the damages. So now, the money that remains, let's say the balashor, is only paying a quarter of the amount that, of the full nazi, the full damages. So what happens to the rest of the money? So he can't go back to the balhabor and ask for his money. So therefore we see that just like over there, that even though there's two culprits here, nevertheless, only one of them is going to end up paying. And what's missing from that one is not going to end up having to be paid by the person who, who was the other culprit, so to speak. Even though the shore, the ox, will be found, the dead ox is found inside of the boar, the pit that belongs to this other guy. Nevertheless, he's not going to have to pay anything. So according to the rabbi, so it's obvious over here as well, you have two partners in this crime, so to speak. You have the kodshim aspect of it, the thing that belongs to the temple, which are all the sinews, the parts that are going to go onto the, to the altar. Then you have the other parts that were involved in the crime, which is the bus or the flesh, which is going to belong and is going to be eaten by the original owners. So that being the case, so you can't collect from the stuff that belongs to Hekdish, that belongs to the temple. So what happens? So you, do, you are not able, it's obvious according to the rabbis, that just like in the case of the pit and the ox, where, the, where he can't collect from the pit what's missing from the ox, so it's over here, you can't collect from the flesh that which you're missing from the from the Amurim, from the sinews. So then according to the rabbis, it's obvious. And if according to Rabbi Nassan, he already says over there, he in fact says in regards to a pit, when you can't collect the full amount from the guy who's short, from the ox, you can't go back to the guy whose pit it was and collect from him. That being the case, so there's no reason that Rabbi Nassan should say over here that in fact you can't collect from the rest of the flesh. You should be able to, in fact, according to Rabbi Nassan. So the Gemara says, if you want to answer Rabbi Nassan, you could say that it is in fact Rabbi Nassan. Or if you want, you could say it's the rabbis. Really, we could say that it is the rabbis. So I, over there, they say that if you can't collect from the guy whose short was, the one who, whose ox caused the damage, you also can't collect from the guy whose pit it was, even though it's in the pit right now. So that's only over there. Honey, made a bit goofy. That's because you have two separate places to collect from. When we're talking about one body, you can say to him, wherever I want to, I can collect from. In other words, so therefore you have one body, you can't really separate out the different parts, and you can't say, oh, well, you can't collect from this part of the flesh. Because you really should be collecting from the from the sinews. No, you can't say that. He, if he wants, he can collect from ever, any part that he wants because it's one body. That's what you would think, and that's why we have to come and say, according to the rabbis, that no, over here you in fact cannot collect from the other parts of the body, meaning the flesh corresponding to the sinews. Yibo, you say another possible explanation. Rabbi Nosson, Hasamhu, the Amar le Balshur le Balhabor. Rabbi Nosson, perhaps he only says his halacha over there that where you can't collect from the ox itself, so therefore you're going to be able to collect the rest from the owner of the pit. That's because the guy who owns the ox that got killed will say to the person who owns this pit, I'm not to Rabbi Bircho Ashkachli. I found my dead animal inside of your pit. Whatever I can't get out of the owner of the ox, because that's the animal that caused the damages, I'm going to get from you, because that's where the animal is right now. We turn to Yogil Mabez, page 13b. Aval Hacha over here, Mimatsi Amar. Can he separate the damages and say, well, listen, only the flesh caused the damage and not the emurin? Of course not. So therefore, Rabbi Nassim would agree that in this case, that since you cannot physically collect from the emurin because it belongs to the hektish, to the temple, therefore, you're also not going to be able to collect corresponding to that in the flesh. The Gemara continues. Amar Rava. Rava says, Let's say you have an animal which is a korban toda. It's meant to be brought as a sacrifice of thanksgiving and it caused damage. Gava mi bisara. So the person who's collecting can collect from the flesh, which is eaten by the bilim, but he can't collect from the chalas, from the bread that comes along with it. 
Lechem Pshita. Sigmar says, what's going on? Of course you don't collect from the bread. That's not part of the animal. Sigmar says, Seifa is Shrichle. Actually, we need it for the end. Nizak Eichel Basar Umiskaper Mevi Lechem. The person who got damaged, so he eats the flesh of the animal after it's been sacrificed. But the person who is bringing it, so he's the one who has, meaning the person who originally belonged to, he's the one who has to bring the pieces of bread. Hanami Pshita. Sigmar says, that's obvious. So Sigmar says, no. Mahu de Temu thought to say, came in the Lechem Hechshira. Since the bread is what makes it possible for the meat to be eaten, so then let the guy who's supposed to bring the carbon say to the guy who's actually eating the flesh, let him say to him, you're eating the flesh and I'm going to bring the bread. You want to eat the flesh, you got to bring the bread yourself. Kamash Milan has recommended to teach you that no, the bread itself is an obligation upon the people who are bringing the carbon toad, who are bringing it, even if they're not actually going to eat the flesh of the animal who's, that's being brought as a sacrifice. Nevertheless, they still have the obligation themselves to bring the bread. The chasim shein shel bnei bris. We said in the Mishnah that property that belongs to a person who is in the covenant of the Jewish people. What's it coming to exclude? It's coming to exclude a case where you cause damage to a non-Jewish person's ox. We already said it later on. If an ox of a Jew causes damage to an ox of a non-Jew, potter. There's an obligation to pay. The more answer is no. The first Mishnah is is saying the statement, and the second Mishnah is coming to explain the original statement. We said in the Mishnah that in order for there to be an obligation to pay for some kind of damages, so it has to be property that was damaged that was designated. What does that mean? What's it coming to exclude? It's coming to exclude a case where, let's say, one guy says, your ox is the one that caused the damage. And the other one says, no, I'm sorry, it's your ox that caused the damage. So since it's not clear which one caused the damage, so therefore, we can't go and obligate any one of them. If that's the case, and we already said that case later on in the Mishnah, how you shine right from Achar Echad, let's say you have two animals running after one animal. And each one is saying that in the end, the other one's ox is the one that caused the damage. So they're both going to be exempt. So we already said that, we're going to say it later on. So how can you say that this is what it means over here? So we answer Tani Vahad Mafarish. First we say the concept and then we explain it in the next Mishnah. Sigmar says, We learned in the Brisa, Prat that actually when it says Miuchadin, it's coming to exclude something that belongs to, uh, that it's ownerless, that doesn't have any owner. So what's the case? If we're talking about a case where one of our shores, one of our oxen, caused damage to the ox that belongs to no one, who's going to you know, expect that they get paid? Rather, what are we talking about? A case where the ox that belongs to no one caused damage to an ox that in fact does have an owner. So if that's the case, so then let the guy who owns the ox that got damaged go and take the animal that caused the damage. So the Gemara answers, to the cases where someone else, in between the time that it caused damage, and the person went and had the chance to go and take that ox, someone else had come and taken the ox that caused the damage. Ravina, uh, my Ravina says that what does it mean when it says miyuchadim? What's it coming to exclude? It's coming to exclude a case where an, an animal, an ox, let's say, caused damage, and then the owner of the ox went and was mocked and he made it holy unto the temple. Or we're talking about a case where the ox, after it caused the damage, so then he was mocked and he made it ownerless. In this, such a case, so then it's not going to be an obligation for the owner, the original owner, to pay. We have a price like that. Yes, greater than that. Rabbi Yehuda said, 
hifgir. Even if you have a case that caused damage and then you were mocked, you made it holy, or you have a, you caused damage and then you went and you made it onless potter, there's going to be no obligation to pay. Shemar's verse says, The verse says that you have to have all the different steps when it causes the damage and when it goes and it's brought to din, when, when it's brought to the courts, it has to be still under the same owner. Until the death, and when it comes and it's brought to, to the courts, they're the same. So Gemara says, We just said that all you need is that it's, when it's brought to the court, it has to be under the same owner. What about the fact that when it's completing its court date, when they give the final psaac, they give the final verdict, it also has to be under the same owner? That verse is actually talking about a case where they completed the din, where they completed the judgment. That you need to have all the different steps when it caused the death, when it was brought to court, and when the court finally brought down the verdict, so the ox has to belong to the same owner throughout this entire time. We said there's no obligation to pay if the damage was caused in the possession of the person who caused the damage. Meaning, if let's say you have an ox of Ruvain, and then Shimon's ox walks into Ruvain's yard, and then Ruvain's ox kills Shimon's ox, which was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So there's no obligation on Ruvain to pay for that. The Amr Leiturcha were choosing my boy because you can always say, what was your ox doing in my possession? It shouldn't have been in my house. So that's why I got damaged. It's your problem. We said also in regards to a case where it's a place where it's both owned by the person who got damaged and the person who caused the damage. Amr Chizda, Amr Avimi. So now we're going to have an argument. What does it mean? Is this case where it's a place where it was owned by both? Is that going to be a place where there is an obligation or there's no obligation? Sort of if we're talking about a uh, courtyard that, that belongs to both of them, both the person who caused the damage and the person who was damaged, so then there's going to be an obligation for payment, both in the case of Shane, where, where it ate and caused damage, or in the case where it trampled something. And this is what we mean to say, that we're coming to exclude a case where it walked into the ownership, the place that's owned by the person who caused the damage. There, there's no obligation on the person who caused the damage. However, in regards to the case where it's a place that's owned by both the person who got damaged and the person who caused the damage, there's going to be an obligation for the person who caused the damage to still pay, despite the fact that it belongs also to the person who caused the damage. And Rashi explains because it's going to be considered like a Rishus Acher, a Sada Acher, someone else's field, even though he has partner, part ownership in it, it's still considered like someone else's field in this regard that there's going to be an obligation to pay. Rabbi says, that in fact what we mean to say is that there's no obligation in regards to where it caused damage when it was eating or when it was trampling. This is what we mean. That in the cases where it's a place that belongs only to the person who caused the damage or belongs to the person who got damaged and the person who caused the damage, both cases, there's no obligation to pay. And Rashi says, because then it's going to be considered like a Rishis Harabim, that uh, it's going to be considered like a place that's owned by everyone, and therefore it's not considered a stay here, someone else's field. It's still considered it belongs to the person who caused the damage. But when it says that there is an obligation to pay, that's coming to include Lasuye Karen, the case where it gored, then there's going to be an obligation. So that's good according to Shmuel, who says that in fact, the, in the Mishnah, when it says, 
Mave, it's talking about a different thing, and therefore you need to come to include Karen. And the Rab, but according to Rab, who says that Mav is going on Adam, is going on a man, so the Amar Tana, sure, that when it says sure, it's coming to include everything, including Karen. Chav Mazak Lasuima, what's it coming to include when it says there's an obligation on the person who caused the damage? We already said that in the previous mission, it doesn't need to say it a second time. So the Gemara answers, Lasuya, how the Tana Rabban is coming to include that which it said in the following Brisa. When it causes damage, there's an obligation on the person who causes the damage. This comes to include a case we have a shemer chinam, person who's watching something without getting paid, by someone who borrows something, noisy sachar, someone who's, who's getting paid, someone who rents something. If an animal that they're watching causes damage, tom mishalim chatzinezek. So if it's only, if it's never been damaged before, if it's only damaged two times, so then there's an obligation to pay only half the damage. But if it's already damaged three times, it has an obligation. The the shomer, the person who's watching it, has an obligation to pay the full damages. Let's say it broke out at night time. Let's say it was broken out of by uh, robbers. They broke the fence and the animal was able to escape. And it went out, caused damage. So then there's no obligation, just like a regular bylam, just like regular owners. So that's what it's coming to include. Chavamazik is coming to include that even in a case of a shomer, there's an obligation to pay. Omar Mark, we said just now, it's coming to include all these different cases of, of Shomer, people who are supposed to be watching it. Hey, what's the case? If the case is talking about where the shore, the ox of the person who lent it out, caused damage to the ox, to the person who borrowed, meaning we have two oxen. One is called Ox A. Ox A belongs to Reuven, the guy who lent it. And Ox B is owned by the person who borrowed Ox A. So now what happens? So if the case is talking about where ox A gored ox B, so then the person who originally owned it, so meaning the person who lent it out, so he can just say to the guy, listen, if if my ox had caused damage to a different ox, meaning to anyone else's ox, you would have the obligation to pay because you're the shomer, you're the one who's watching it. Now you expect me to actually pay for it? Rather, what's going to be the case where the ox B, the ox that belongs to the person who borrowed ox A, caused damage to the ox that belongs to the one who he borrowed it from? So what happens? So let him say like this, If it had become damaged from anywhere else, so then you would have had to pay me completely because it's your obligation it's your responsibility now that your ox is the one who caused the damage all you're going to pay me is half the damages really we consider the case is talking about where the ox that belongs to the person who lent it is the one who caused the damage to the ox, the person who borrowed. What we're talking about up here, that he only accepted upon himself to be in charge of making sure that nothing happened to the animal that caused the damage, meaning that nothing happened to the animal that he borrowed. But he didn't accept upon himself that he's going to watch if anything happens, if he's not going to be in charge, he's not going to be responsible for any damages that are caused. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, if the case is where he only accepted upon himself to prevent any kind of damage to the animal, but not to prevent any damage that the animal would cause. What does it say in the end? If it went out at night, or if let's say it was broken out by some kind of robbers, and went out and it caused damage, so there's not going to be any obligation. That implies that if it had happened during the day, so then there would be an obligation. We just said that the case is talking about where he didn't accept upon himself to watch for any damages that would be caused by that animal. This is what we mean. 
Nizakov Chayev. The first case is indeed talking about the case where he didn't accept upon himself to have any obligation if it caused any damage. However, if he did, then there would be an obligation. However, Nifrit Sabilayla, Oshibartsu, Alistin, Vyasas of Iziko Potter. However, if it happened that night or was broken out by robbers, so then in fact there will be no obligation.